right, welcome to today's very quick podcast. Eric, how do you know it's going to be quick? Well, I know what I'm going to talk about, um, and it's not much. Um, quick hit on the strike, and then a story, a story I want to share with you about how literally one, one word, four, well, three numbers, one letter, changed my life. Um, one tiny little thing is responsible for me sitting here doing this and not, I don't know, maybe, maybe working, uh, at the Jeep plant or selling cars. We're a couple of days now, uh, in, into the strike, which has affected our local plant here. And then a couple others. So not, not all these tens of thousands of workers are on strike. Uh, a handful of them. I know you've probably gotten to know the name Sean Fain. He is the, uh, the, the pugnacious and ferocious union leader. Uh, he did say, and look, a lot has been said. You might have been educated. You might have had your eyes open to a lot of different things when it comes to unions and pay scale and pay raises and what CEOs make. Um, over the last couple of days with this, um, they did not want to shut down the entire industry. They just wanted to prove the union, wanted to just prove a point by taking these three factories um, offline rather than stunting uh, the the American economy, which has taken tons of body blows and punches going back to the very beginning of COVID. Um, the CEOs make a lot of money. And I have always said, even read a great quote over the weekend, CEOs have not gotten smarter or better at their jobs as their pay has skyrocketed over the last four decades. Um, they are responsible, though, for tens of millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. So I can understand why they get paid very well. Um, the gap is enormous between uh, management, especially at that level, and your regular workers. I obviously want people to be paid fairly. I want them to be paid what they're worth, and maybe that's where things get a little sketchy. Um, you have probably seen people in the union, workers and whatnot saying, you know, we are the, the heart and soul. We are the foundation of, of these companies, of these buildings, of these factories. But you can, you can replace a lot of these people, uh, unfortunately, in the same way that I am infinitely more replaceable than the CEO that runs my company. Um, there are very, there is a much smaller pool to choose from to do these jobs at a at an extremely high corporate level than there are to get people to work on the line, to work in the factories, to do the, the grunt work, the blue collar work, to sit in front of this microphone. I am easy. Uh, most workers, unfortunately, are um, easily, fairly easily replaceable, much more so than people who sit at that very top of companies. But the gap of pay is too large. Uh, things have gotten exorbitantly expensive even before COVID, um, and wages have not kept up to that. As I've said for the last two years now, we are in transformational times, and I don't think any of it will settle till um, till the end of this decade. We are still in a time of transition, uh, and I am terrified, terrified that when I think the union will ultimately win. And they might just be small victories. Um, there's one great line when it comes to negotiation and compromise that I, I really like. If both sides feel like they lost something, it's probably the best case scenario. Um, 
I think this will be a small union victory. They'll get some raises and some other employee perks that they that they want. And I am just terrified that uh, the corporations that they get these these victories from will just push back on the onto the consumers. We've already seen this, right? Um, at at mom and pop places who openly candidly apologize for what they've had to do to larger companies where yeah they gave their employees um, increases pay pay increases um that have been delayed by three years five years ten years because we have not kept up wages have not kept up with inflation so things have gotten that much more expensive um and the small companies, small mom and pop places have said, yeah, we apologize. Uh, due to increasing our employee wages, we have had to raise some of our prices. Um, whether it's because of wages or the cost of goods. I just saw today that our insuring, our health insurance premiums are, are going up. Um, I am terrified that when the UAW gets their, their victory, um, the cost of that will be pushed back onto the consumers because companies typically don't like to give up revenue and profits no matter how ginormous the pile of money is. My pile of money is very small. And as much as I will always support uh, workers getting paid their worth and not being overworked, um, for the last 15 years or so, I have worked in an industry that has been eroding away day by day by day by day. Um, I have very little pull. Uh, people, radio hosts, could not form any kind of union like the, the SAG and AFTRA and have much clout or power because we don't bring in the revenue to companies like the position once did a long, long time ago. Um, you can get rid of us and... And I'm just simply speaking of my mortality in this business. And I like to think that I have been a survivor um, because I'm good at what I do. I, I, I learned to make myself valuable and multifaceted and versatile. I have learned to um, cut corners financially in my life, like not having a family, not having a super expensive car or home, living within my means, knowing that my means um, and my work Go down, could go down all, all the time. Uh, and, and the means itself, the job itself, could go away. Not for any performance reasons, simply because of the state of the industry. And that is like all legacy media, radio, linear over-the-air television, TV news, uh, newspapers, all that stuff. Like I am very aware of my mortality. And every day I wake up um, could be my last, again, not through performance. Um, in 1997, I had graduated high school, George Washington High School, and I had always, when I was a kid, I'd gone to Baltimore a couple times. I was like, I'd, I'd like to live here. This seems like a cool spot. I had no idea what, what I was thinking. Um, I applied to, I applied to three different colleges out of school, out of high school or during high school. University of Maryland, which was close enough to Baltimore. Uh, Temple University, which was my home school, and then Towson University, which was essentially a suburb of Baltimore. I got into all three, got a scholarship at Temple, but I dismissed that and went to Towson University the fall semester of 1997. I got there and it was like, well, I don't have a car to get to Baltimore. So I'm here on campus. 
Um, I, I decided to come home after that semester and transferred back home to my home school, Temple. But sometime during that fall of 97, when AOL was maybe at its peak, and, and I guess Napster was just coming along, or maybe that was a few years after that, AOL in my profile, you know, whatever his name, hobbies, birth, all that stuff I had in there, you know, my favorite radio station was Q102 in Philadelphia. The irony that I will, I started at Q102 and I will likely end at a Q. I got a random AOL instant message one day from uh, someone named Jay Towers, who was a radio host, DJ at this station, and said, hey, thanks for listening to the station. I was like, cool, great. Um, I got, when I transferred back home and got situated going to Temple University, it was sometime in that, that January of 98, I remembered that message and I reached back out to Jay through AOL and said, hey, I'm going to school, I'm majoring in broadcasting communications um, can I, can I help? Are there opportunities? I went, I don't remember my interview. Um, but I started going several days a week and I wasn't an official intern because back then in 98, you didn't have to fill any paperwork out to, um, to get into the station. I could just show up. We trusted people back then. By the summertime, I was going uh, uh, pretty much every day to the radio station. And then, in fact, I, I got hired. I remember when Jay called me and said, hey, uh, Glenn wants to give you, Glenn was the program director of the station, Glenn wants to give you like 20 or 15 or 20 hours a week to be a board op slash producer. So I was going to get paid for a lot of the time that I was there, at least different times when I was there. Um, by the fall of 1998... Um, school would come back around, obviously. I was in my second semester at Temple. And then I, somewhere around Columbus Day, early October, I stopped going to class. In fact, I remember there was kind of uh, an inflection point. I drove to school that gray October, early October day, parked where I always parked. I like looked up at the sky and said, eh, I don't know, I'm just going to go to the radio station. And I was there earlier than usual because typically I would go after class, which was done by 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But I was there much earlier. And that was the last time I went to class um, at Temple University. Um, I was in the radio station every day uh, learning a lot of things, many of which are not applicable at all now with the way the industry is run from a day-to-day to a month-to-month kind of way from... CDs and things called carts, which were like eight tracks too. None of that stuff is here in my studio. It's just a control board and some computer screens, like you would think. Um, that December, my grades had come in the mail. It was a Saturday, middle of the afternoon on, on a Saturday, um, late in December. I was getting ready to run out the door to do whatever. And my dad said, hey, he had the mail. He said, hey, your grades have come in. And my head sunk and I kind of, I guess I closed the door and I said, dad, um, I haven't been to class since October. So I had a 0.0 and I, and I was then on academic probation at Temple and he never said it, although maybe he did in recent years. I think he knew something was up. So the deal was I have six months to make something in radio work. And I think that's about as general as he was. Eric, you have six months to, to make this radio thing work. If not, back to school. So that was December of 98. December, no, yeah, it was December of 98. Um, Jay, Jay Towers, you might be somewhat familiar with. Jay has been hosting the Fox 2 Morning News in Detroit for, wow, 
15 years now. Um, I guess it was kind of Jay's protege. He was my mentor. Uh, in March or so of 98. Is it March of 98? No, I'm sorry. March of 99. Uh, Jay had gone back to Detroit. Um, before coming to Philadelphia, he um, he was uh, he was on the air probably middays at a radio station in Detroit, 93.1. Uh, then came to Philadelphia for this job. <clears throat> well, he went back there to work with um, a person named Alex Tier. Alex is also another mentor uh, of mine. He works at, uh, he basically oversees all the pop music at Sirius XM. Um, and Jay's like, look, let me get settled and I'll bring you out there. And I don't know what I was going to do out there, but I trusted him. And uh, a couple of months later, after I was kind of like um, the black sheep at the radio station, because I was just like Jay's guy and he had gone and there was some turnover. And uh, the, one of the, the new people in charge didn't like me a whole lot because I was I was me bullheaded me, thought I knew everything me. Um, Jay gave me all these responsibilities and now you're pushing me aside. But in June of 99, uh, it was again another Saturday. I think Jay called me said, hey, can you come out to Detroit? Like, what do you mean? Um, Alex wants to meet you. Let's come on out for an interview. I don't know who the heck paid for that flight, but I was on that plane there for a couple days, came back and um, within a day or within days or weeks, I was headed out to Michigan, although it was for something else. Um, Jay got me a, a job at a new radio station that had come on, kind of a pirate radio kind of thing, in Saginaw, Michigan. So me and my dad drove out there, um, met someone who is now who is now, who is now a legendary um, Dallas radio personality. He had worked with Jay in Detroit, and we both went up there to work at this place. And it didn't work out. I don't know why. It, it A lot of it was like a blur. Like I had to go look for a house to buy or something. And my dad just gave me this check and said, don't lose this. Something was off. Something just wasn't right. And I said to Jay, I was like, something's something's not happening here. Some, some, something's off. Um, and I might be missing a few details here. But I drove down 75 and never went back to Saginaw until I got a job there in a better spot, in the right spot years later. But uh, sometime in, in July of 99, I'm down in Detroit with that other guy and uh, working at that radio station, which within the last handful of months was a part of the Cumulus company, but was sold off. Um, 93.1, there's some pictures that I have posted on my socials. And I was there from summer of 99 through summer of 2002. Uh, doing a variety of things. I worked overnight shifts. I worked on the weekends. I did uh, a lot of everything. Um, I, I DJed in clubs. I remember, I think I was making like $65,000 a year from club, more in clubs and DJing than, um, than, than radio money, which was probably like seven fifty an hour. But I learned so much and I learned with some great people. And I never took for granted the fact that a lot of people start off in many jobs, um, in smaller places, especially in media. But I got my first two radio jobs were in Philadelphia and then Detroit. That I was very fortunate. Um, I I wanted to do everyday stuff though, and I was able to go work for a friend of mine that I knew from Philadelphia at Q102. He oversaw a a, a dance hip hop station in Orlando, and that was the first time I got a full time job uh, working on that morning show there. But all this came about, and from Orlando back to Saginaw, 
for a better job with one of my closest friends um, to here at Tower 98.3 and then back home to Philadelphia, but also Allentown, Allentown back to Detroit and then Detroit for 2012, beginning to the end of that year. And then January of 2013 here, um, at least in Toledo. And there will likely be no more radio jobs after this. So my career will be bookended by Q's 102 and 105. But had I not had my radio station passion in my AOL profile, I probably would have matriculated through um, higher education just like anybody else. And I would have tried to be an intern somewhere with a almost worthless communications degree. I got very fortunate. And again, that, that letter Q and those three numbers, 102, that little thing in my AOL profile changed my life for the better. And had it not been there, I have no idea where I'd be right now.